took no more than a few seconds of Steven Stamkos lifting the Stanley Cup over his head again for me to start thinking about next season and whether or not the Lightning can three-peat or whether or not the Lightning can even be beat by anyone else in the reformed Eastern Conference. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. The odds-on favorites to win the Stanley Cup in the 2021-22 season are the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. That sort of thing emerges within minutes of the conclusion of a Stanley Cup final, which I always find hilarious because, like, on one hand, you're watching on TV, you know, all these guys celebrating the moment of their lives and hugging their loved ones, and the fans are going wild. And the first thing you see on your social media machine is who's going to win next year, and it's not the same team. And I get it. You know, the betters are looking at the teams that probably were the two and three in this tournament while being respectful to the Canadiens for actually having been the two, having gotten to the final. And also, it's really, really tough to repeat, let alone three-peat. No one has done it in the cap era. We saw the Penguins make a pretty decent bid, I thought, in 2018, getting to the second round and giving the Capitals something of a tough time before falling in Game 6 overtime to Evgeny Kuznetsov beating Matt Murray on the breakaway. Who's to say what would have happened had the Penguins won Game 6, won that series, and maybe once again gotten past the toughest team they'd face, which I felt the Capitals were in both 2016 and 2017. Who knows? But... Point is, it's hard. It's hard. In fact, in the cap era, it's unprecedented. Nobody's done it in any form, cap or no cap, since the Islanders of the early 80s. Who's going to be the team then if it isn't the Lightning? Who's going to be the team in the East that rises up? Who's best positioned? Who's the youngest? Who's freshest? I could make an argument for a handful of teams, believe it or not. The Islanders are the obvious one since they've advanced twice in a row to face the Lightning, only to be beaten by the eventual champs, both times after a pretty good series. Very competitive. But then I, I just... I don't mean to keep dumping on the Islanders. And, and, you know, they beat the Penguins. They beat them the last two times they faced them in the playoffs and whatever else. But I, I see that as a flawed team. They're, they're missing a lot. And they weren't just missing Anders Lee. I don't see that as a championship team. 
And I definitely don't see it as one that's better than the Lightning next season. I do think there's a possibility that the Hurricanes rise up if the Hurricanes go and get themselves elite goaltending. Elite. Not Alex Nedeljkovic. Uh, maybe bringing Peter Mrazek back, you know, puts them in a, in a spot where they can hope that Mrazek becomes that, but he hasn't been to date. I'd like to see him on the Penguins, but that's only because of circumstances. If the Hurricanes were to somehow find a way to produce goaltending that's way above the level that they've had the last two, three years, they've got the people. They've got the speed. They've got the skill. They've got the depth. And my goodness, do they have the mobile defensemen. They've got a lot of things going for them. The Florida Panthers are are in this conversation as well. Uh, you think they have the goaltending just because they went out and spent a zillion dollars on Bob, but Bob was Bob again in the playoffs. Sergei Bobrovsky, of course. And that question is just going to keep coming up spring after spring after spring for as long as he's there, and his contract says he's going to be there for a long time. I thought the Panthers looked like they could have been a team that would have contended if it hadn't been for Aaron Ekblad's season-ending injury. The Maple Leafs, eh, you know, they're the Leafs. The Capitals, starting to get a little older. Bruins, already were a little older. The Flyers, if Carter Hart gets it together, that's a big, big, big if. So yeah, let's talk about Pittsburgh. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. Monthly cost of cable is over two hundred bucks. Fubo TV is sixty-five bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T, Sportsnet, Pittsburgh. No contracts, no catches, cancel anytime. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and fifteen percent off your first month by going to fubotv.com/dk. One more time. That's FuboTV.com slash DK. If you match the Penguins against the Lightning head-to-head, this summer, the Penguins don't win. And I realize that's kind of obvious because the Lightning have the current best goaltender in the world in Andre Vasilevsky, and the Penguins had whatever version that was of Tristan Jari. If you take the rest of the rosters, you can pretty much go match for match between the set of forwards, the set of defensemen, the highest grade forwards, the highest grade defensemen, and have what looks like an even battle other than the goaltending. And that the Lightning have more size. And we're going to be better equipped against anyone they faced in these playoffs for keeping high-octane forwards to the perimeter in the attacking zone. They did an outstanding job of that. And it wasn't just Victor Hedman. Ryan McDonough was tremendous at it. 
Uh, they had a, a, a ton of guys that were really, really efficient and big. And the Penguins could use a little bit of help in that regard, though that would start and be very welcome if they re-signed Cody Ceci. Overall, can the Penguins get past the Lightning if it comes to that? You know, that's a question that I was posing a lot during this past season because it always looked like whoever was going to get somewhere was going to have to go through Tampa. The Penguins have that capability if they have goaltending. My goodness, there's there's no subject you can bring up about the Penguins that doesn't swing back to that. You know, because it's the it's the one plug that you pull out of the wall of any decent debate. You just say, yeah, but, and then you think about the way Jari played against the Islanders, and you go, wah, wah, and it's all over. Got to get a goaltender. It'd be nice if they can get a little bigger. It'd be nice if they can find a way to keep CeCe. It'd be nice if they can navigate the expansion draft without too much damage. It'd be nicer still if some of their younger guys, Anthony Angelo, Drew O'Connor, so forth, could take a big step forward and come into camp ready to really, really compete for a job. All of that would be good. None of it matters without the goaltending. What a broken record this is. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question, and that's always brought to you on this program by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they are committed, no, recommitted, to providing food for our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. When I say recommitted, I'm referring to the rebranding that they've done that more clearly delineates their vital mission. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out all about this really cool video on there again pittsburghfoodbank.org frank has today's question and he asks if the nhl were to ever name an award after Sidney crosby what would it be for so i'm assuming you're referring to like the mark messier leadership award which by the way messier pretty much picks by himself with you know, assistance and input and so forth from other teams, but it's a Messier-based award chosen by Messier. Sid is a tougher one. I'll always refer to the Mike Babcock quote from the Sochi Olympics when he told those of us reporters who were over there covering that that he saw Sid as a, quote, serial winner. I've still not heard a better description of the Penguins captain. If you put him into a game situation, it doesn't mean he's always going to win, obviously. It means that he's going to focus on doing whatever needs to be done in that particular game to win. It might depend on the opponent, might depend on the matchup, might depend on certain things that the Penguins aren't doing particularly well that he can do well and kind of make up for that. That's Sid. 
that's Sid. That's not an easy award, though, <laughs> to describe. Um, and, and then I come to Mike Sullivan's most common description of Sid, which is that he's the best 200-foot player in the game. How do you quantify that? Uh, that's not easy. Maybe you could use or assign very specific advanced analytics that illustrate shot creation, shot suppression, and since those analytics arose during Sid's career, you could give an award to, let's say, the player with the best Corsi 4 percentage. The, the catch to that is, is that at some point along the way, you would want Sid to have had had been the best player at that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there were times when Sid was very clearly the Penguins' best player, but Chris Kunitz had the highest Corsi 4 percentage. And even though you're dead certain that Sid's a better player and made a bigger impact on the team, Kunitz had that metric. So, But something in, in that spirit, I would say, uh, it would be something that, that says... You know, that this is a player who dedicates himself to his craft and to a given game all over the rink. And you'd have to, again, you'd have to come up with something for that. And you'd also have to make sure that it's not cross-pollinating too much with existing awards. Like the Selkie Trophy, which I think is the most flawed of all of these awards, is supposed to go to the best defensive forward. It rarely does. It goes really instead to the forward who has a lot of points and has the best plus minus. And I, I think you'd have to find a way to reevaluate what you're doing with the Selkie before you came up with something like this. Uh, to me, this would actually be easier to define. Philip Dano of the Canadiens is, to me, an extraordinary example of a defensive forward. No one ever cares if Dano scores a goal. That's how effective he is. Ask Mark Stone of the Golden Knights about that. But would he qualify for this 200-foot thing? No, probably not because he didn't score all that much. He scores some, but, but not enough. And not enough more to the point, to be considered for the Selkie. Sid, Sid obviously does it at both ends. And, and I think if a, if a fair measure, a fair definition can be found, that, that would be just about right. That would be just about right. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one tomorrow.